Patriots. Welcome to the Patriot Review. Now, I comb the internet pretty often looking for content and maybe provide you with some different type of program programming other than um, just recent events in the news. But um, so I was doing that and I ran across a video that Pastor uh, Hal Mayer uh, produced. This is over 10 years ago now. But he's talking about the biblical prophecy of the end times. And I was struck by how accurate it is to the times that we're living in today. I know that this is a question that every generation asks itself. And you can attach things, correlate things to uh, events in whatever lifetime. But I'm particularly struck by this lecture that, uh, that Hal gave, and because he's talking specifically about the New World Order in prophecy. So I wanted to share clips of that with you today and just put a little discussion around them, and then uh, we'll have another episode to finish this off next week. So let's take a look at the first part of Hal's presentation, and we will be right back after that. Uh, we're going to be looking at the prophetic secrets of the New World Order. The Bible gives us an enormous amount of detail concerning the things that are coming in the future. And we get a lot of uh, general ideas, but there's actually a lot of detail. Perhaps the most well-known part of Scripture that gives us an understanding of the last days is Revelation chapter 13. And I'd like to invite you to turn with me in your Bibles to Revelation chapter 13. These are familiar uh, verses but they are very, very important, and they give us some very interesting detail uh, about what is coming in the future. Revelation 13. One of the things about Revelation 13 is that it is inclusive language. Inclusive because it's referring to either all the people on the earth or none of the people on the earth, or in general, the kinds of uh, language that it uses is referring to a global concept. So when the Bible talks about the future things, especially as, as it relates to the worship laws in the last days, uh, it's going to give us global language or globalized language. And the New World Order is all about globalization. And we're going to spend some time looking at globalization tonight and over the next few sessions together because uh, it is... It, it plays such an important part in end time events. So Revelation chapter 13, and I'd like you to just take a note as, a, as we go along of a few of these verses. Uh, Revelation 13 verse 3, for instance, says that I saw one of his heads as it were wounded to death, and his deadly wound was healed. And then it says, and what? All that dwell upon the earth, uh, oh, sorry, all the world wondered after the beast. All right, then come over to verse 8. Verse 8 says, and all that dwell upon the earth. You see that inclusive language? We're talking about globalization here. Everyone is included in this, of course, except those whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Now, I would like to point out at this juncture that perhaps getting your name in the Lamb's book of life is the most important project that you can ever take on in your life. The most important thing you can do is get your name in the Lamb's Book of Life. And that means a lot of things. <laughs> it means a comprehensive experience with Jesus Christ. So when the Bible is talking about the globalization in the last days, it's referring to these uh, verses, um, <clears throat> or rather these verses help us understand that globalization is what to expect in the last days. You know, if you spoke about globalization 30 years ago, you would have been relegated to the fringes of society, to the, to the margins of society, uh, as a lunatic, or the, or the lunatic fringe, or, the, uh, or they might have called you a conspiracy theorist. Have you ever been accused of being a conspiracy theorist? Well, I don't know about you, but I am not ashamed to be a conspiracy theorist, but I want you to understand what I mean. I'm not looking for a conspiracy behind every bush. However, 
There is one conspiracy that we all must understand, and that is the conspiracy of Satan against God and his people in the last days. He collaborates with various organizations and entities that are uh, here in this earth that fulfill his agenda, and they are working to pin you into a corner so that you have no place to go. And you have nothing you can do but succumb to his power if possible. That's why even the very elect will be deceived if it were possible. And fortunately, by the grace of God, the very elect will not be deceived. It's because the Bible gives us the detail. And I'm thankful for the Bible. And I'm also thankful for the spirit of prophecy because the spirit of prophecy gives us an enormous amount of information as well. But also it gives us spiritual guidance for the last days so that we may know how to navigate those unique and difficult circumstances that God's people will face. Well, that's not the end of this. There are other inclusive terms in these verses. But let me point out something. If there is going to be a global worship, which we would call a universal worship, um, perhaps historically we've often called it the universal Sunday law, if there's going to be universal worship or global worship, there must also be another element. You, you cannot have global worship unless you have global political order, a global economic order, in fact, you can even add to that a global educational order and a global military, or at least an enforcement mechanism, so that the worship laws in the last days can actually be enforced. So there we are, the very first part, the opening clip, he's talking about some things that we all recognize and probably could, could never have imagined uh, happening. We look around the globe today under the guise of a pandemic, a pandemic, as we all know, uh, there are global approaches and globalism itself uh, expanding, becoming front and center. And we see that every day. We see the same approaches being taken uh, in Western civilization to the whole COVID debacle, the COVID lie. He talks about global worship laws. And of course, that is under the New World Order he's referring to. But there is something I will share a little later on that r really is kind of an aha moment when you look at that concept of global worship laws. He's also talking about and said collaborates, now Satan collaborates with various organizations. And what organizations have gained so much power today that they are affecting people's daily lives? They are taking rights away from people like the right to free speech. Of course, that is our corporatism. That is our corporates, our Mark Zuckerbergs, our election stealing, thieving, uh, bribing, uh, corporate um, disgraces. These people are really, I think, the ones who are the merchants, which we'll talk about in a little bit, and the, the ones who are collaborating for evil collaborating for this new world order as the prophecy describes it. Uh, and uh, he's going to go through this in, in detail. Again, Hal Mayer, Pastor Mayer produced this now more, more than uh, 10 years ago. So he'll reference Barack Obama being the current president. And when we look back at that, there are some other things that we obviously know, the, the, you know, the, the healthcare takeover and, um, several of the things that Obama did during his two um, two terms that certainly worked towards globalization. But uh, for right now, let's take another look at another clip from Pastor Mayer. So globalization has uh, started and is well on its way. And as I said 30 years ago, people weren't willing to talk about it very much. But today, it is front and center. Everywhere you turn, if you pay attention to the news, you will hear globalization coming through here and there on a continual basis. They're all the time talking about the new world order. Well, they may not use that term, but they use terms that are compatible with that. Verse 12 says, he exercises all, there's another all, 
But that's not exactly referring to globalization. That's referring to all the power of the first beast. That's what, what, what does the first beast represent? That's the papacy. All the power of the first beast. The first beast had power when? That was during the Dark Ages or the Middle Ages. Okay, so the first beast had a lot of power. It was a worldwide power, at least with the inhabited world or the then known empire, or what was known as the Holy Roman Empire. And we're going to come back to that concept a bit later on <clears throat> because the Holy Roman Empire was a religious and civil power. And that power controlled the consciences of the citizens of the various nations. And it collaborated with the rulers and the kings and the monarchs of the civil government. So it, he exercises all the power. This is talking about the second beast, which is what, what, uh, uh, what is the definition of the second beast? That's the United States, okay? So the United States exercises all the power of the first beast. In other words, the United States will be a controlling power like it was in the past. And I hear people talk about the United States declining. And there are some stresses and challenges and problems that the United States has. And it will continue to have, especially economic. But there will be other things too. But the United States is destined to grow in power because... She will exercise all the power of the first beast. And I, I emphasize the word all because she will have the same attitude, the same spirit, the same controlling spirit. And you may have noticed this in recent times as we've seen various uh, laws come down and uh, be implemented here in the United States <clears throat> and for that matter in other parts of the world. I find it very interesting that in some parts of the world, they copy what happens in the United States. And sometimes they even do a better job of it. Australia, for instance, is very good at watching what happens up here. And then over there, they begin to ch change their laws and make them even more refined and even more effective than what we have in the United States. Perhaps it's because they have a somewhat more compliant citizenry than you would find in the United States. Then we come down to verse 15. Verse 15 says, He had power to give life unto the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause that as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. It's a little different concept here, but it's also quite inclusive language. Anyone who does not worship the beast will have the death penalty upon them. Coming back to verse 12, it says, He causes the earth and them which dwell therein to worship the first beast. Now, how many is that? Well, that's again, inclusive language. Them which dwell therein. This is talking about everyone, of course, except those who have their names in the Lamb's Book of Life. And I hope you have your name in the Lamb's Book of Life, brothers and sisters. That is perhaps... The one thing that causes me to spend time on my knees so that I can get my name in the Lamb's Book of Life. And I need to do that every day. All right. <clears throat> so we see this inclusive. Now come over to verse 16. It says, he causes how many? All. All both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads, and that no man might buy or sell, save he that had the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. So all and no, in verse 17 it says no man. That means it's inclusive. Again, or I suppose it's universally exclusive <laughs> in this case. This is talking about globalization. It is a universal process that has to go on if we're ever going to come to the fulfillment of those predictions that are found in Revelation in various places. So there he references specifically uh, the United States as the superpower that it has been. My belief after, after hearing this and, and considering this is this is discussion about 
what already has been, because we're now at the, the crossroads of the actual New World Order. Uh, you, I'd love to hear your comments as we go through here. If you have individual points to make, if you maybe have a different view because of your different denomination, uh, certainly put those comments on and people can talk about that. Uh, but he mentions Australia, and I found it funny where he said, uh, because maybe the citizens of Australia are more compliant. And we certainly have seen that, haven't we? We have seen their rights being taken away. Uh, same with Canada. Uh, now, they don't have the Second Amendment. And in my opinion, that is what is holding back our government from doing the very same things that they are in those countries. And I think we're fortunate to have it and we need to demand to keep it. And we need to also step up and demand that this New World Order uh, not be undertaken. And I think we are trying to do that. The question is, do we succeed or does prophecy succeed at this point in time in history? And that is the real question, I think. Uh, we are going to play the next clip now, and I will be back right after that. Now come over to Revelation 17. Revelation 17 is also a very interesting and well-known passage. And again, I'm going to point out the universality of this whole prophetic scenario. Verses 1 and 2, it says, And there came one of the seven angels, which had the seven vials, and talked with me, saying unto me, Come hither, I will show thee the judgment of the great whore that sitteth upon many waters, with whom the kings of the earth have committed fornication. How many? It doesn't say. But it's the kings. So the kings of the earth have been committing fornication, spiritual fornication. They have been engaged with Rome or the whore, as is uh, the, the whore describes. You know, let me point out something. The Bible doesn't give us names. The Bible doesn't tell us the Vatican is going to do this. And the Bible doesn't tell us that the president of the United States is going to do that. It doesn't identify by name. It identifies by description. And I think that's very important. It identifies by description. Description makes it very easy then to understand without the name what the Bible's actually talking about. Now, the Bible also gives us uh, descriptions of many things. It's not just this, but the whore is a description representing a woman, which is a church in Bible prophecy, as you know. And so we have a, uh, a, a, a very unrighteous or wicked woman a very uh, compromised woman. And if you study the uh, things that have been going on in the Vatican over the last decade or so, you would know that, of course, this fits the description perfectly with all the blasphemies as well as the immoralities and abominations that are done. <clears throat> but it says, The kings of the earth have committed fornication, and the inhabitants of the earth have been made drunk with the wine of her fornication. I want you to notice that the language is also inclusive. He's not using the word, the revelator doesn't use the word all or none or, or that kind of word, but he uses description which just simply includes all the kings of the earth. Revelation chapter 18, once again, it says in verse 3, For all nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. It's amazing how much prophecy detail the Bible gives us. And I'm very thankful that the Word of God has given us so much information. Now, Revelation 18 verse 3 says all the nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. That's, that's inclusive. And it says, and the kings of the earth, again, it's inclusive, have committed fornication with her, and the merchants of the earth are waxed rich through the abundance of her delicacies. Now tell me something, my friends. Who are the merchants of the earth? We, are, we, we understand who the kings are. That's, that's relatively easy to grasp. That's the president's prime ministers, dictators, monarchs, uh, well, and then there's little kings. You know, they have territories like governors, um, city 
governors, we call them mayors, you know, they have territories. Those are little kings. <laughs> but the Bible's referring to the main kings of the earth that rule over the major nations uh, of the world. And they spend their time thinking about how to organize themselves politically to their own advantage. Not necessarily your advantage. So what have we seen over the past, let's say, 40, 50 years? We see the big upheaval with Disney this past month and the uh, immoral and obnoxious things that they promote uh, that they never would have. You, you think of when you know I was a kid, for example, Disney was very, very family-oriented, supported the family, family. The movies they came out with were were um, wholesome movies. They didn't have a you know a political message tied in with them. Um, and that's just one example. And we look at all the other merchants of the earth out there and how they really are supporting things that they never would have supported in the past. We have uh, one political party that in m many states are trying to get it uh, legal to kill a baby after birth. I guess you get to take it for a test drive and if you don't like it, you can murder it. You know, who would have thought we would be here and who would have thought that the merchants of the earth have so much, would ever have so much power and you look at the multi-billion billionaires out there, you look at Elon Musk, for example, trying to get Twitter and um, hopefully turn Twitter into, once again, a platform for, for free speech. So that would be a positive. But the very fact that Twitter is as domineering as, as any news media source has ever been in history, but on a global level, we couldn't have imagined that, I don't think. And I think that this particular part of his presentation really deals with those individuals, the merchants of the earth in particular, and those people, quite frankly, are evil. Our world is full of electromagnetic fields that even though we can't see them, are affecting our bodies, our sleep, and even our ability to think clearly. The advent of 5G is only making this worse. There is an answer. Visit Fix the World by clicking the link in the Patreon review show description below to view natural products that can actually protect you from EMF and 5G and even improve your sleep. Skeptical? Get the free Dangers of EMF Radiation ebook free by clicking on its direct link also in the show description. You can also learn more by watching episode 62 of the Patreon review. Hey Patriots, you can save up to 66% at MyPillow.com when you use the code TPR. That stands for The Patriot Review. That's TPR or call 800-519-9927. That's 800-519-9927. I use these products myself. I can tell you they are the best quality bar none. So go ahead, use the code TPR and get up to 66% off right now. Coming to you from the land of common sense and American pride. Not a unicorn or rainbow in sight. Welcome back to the Patriot Review with Jeff Wagner. So folks, if you want to support the show, you can go to MyPillow.com. You can use the code TPR. As I said in the ad, TPR stands for the Patriot Review. Easy to remember. And get up to 66% off. Now, I, I honestly do have a lot of products from my pillow i love absolutely love the slippers i don't think you i've never definitely never uh, had any slippers that are as comfortable and um, they are durable which is also a cool thing because i used to go through slippers pretty quickly actually um, so check that out and use the code tpr you can also go to our website at redbloodedpatriots.com 
and sign up for a free membership if you choose to donate that'd be great if you choose a paid membership that would be appreciated uh, keep the content coming keep the show going and growing I would really appreciate it uh, so we have up to this point talked about uh, the kings of the earth and the whole thought of globalism and uh, we had just gotten into the merchants of the of the earth and talked briefly about that so now we're going to go into the next segment and this one I don't remember how long it is but we will be back to discuss it as soon as it's over when we talk about politics we don't talk about politics just because we want to be political we're to stay out of party politics isn't that right I think it's very important for us to stay out of party politics in fact the spirit of prophecy makes this very very clear but we do see that politics engages with prophecy and so it's about prophecy not about politics so keep that in mind as we discuss a few of the political things going on in terms of globalization because globalization is first and foremost political all right the new world order is primarily political but it also has economic uh, factors as well as a number of others as you'll see even tonight um, let's come over to uh, Revelation 18 verse 4 it says I heard another voice from heaven saying come out of her my people that ye be not partakers of her sins and that ye receive not of her plagues there's a reason we are to come out why so that we don't partake of her sins association with Rome means that you will partake of her sins that is a biblical reality you cannot escape it if you are involved in the ecumenical relationships then you will also be involved in her sin but the ecumenical movement leads into sin then it has the corresponding plagues that go with it so if you want to avoid those things you've got to come out that is the message that God's people must give to the whole world uh, once uh, or at the end time now come over to Isaiah chapter 23 Isaiah chapter 23 covering a few basics here and some things that are familiar but I want you to understand very clearly this biblical principle of globalization or the biblical revelation of the new world order Isaiah 23 and we'll look at verse 8 Isaiah 23 verse 8 this is another verse that has to do with uh, spiritual Babylon or spiritual Tyre in the last days referring to the papacy once again verse 8 says who hath taken counsel against Tyre the crowning city whose merchants are princes whose traffickers are the honorable of the earth whose traffickers are the honorable who are the honorable of the earth well again that's the presidents prime ministers bankers central bankers see if you're gonna have economic um, globalization you're going to have to have some way of controlling it and that's what central banks are all about they control the economy of nations so when the Bible talks about merchants they are trafficking what are they trafficking well actually the Bible tells us that it's more than just central bankers if you come over to Revelation chapter 18 once again real quickly just want to show you this in uh, verse 8 uh, verse or chapter 18 verse um, 12 uh, it's talking about the merchandise that nobody won't buy anymore after Rome has been punished or while Rome is being punished it says in verse 12 the merchandise of gold and silver and precious stones that's money at least and of pearls and fine linen and purple and silk and scarlet and all fine wood and all manner of vessels of ivory and all manner of vessels of most precious wood and of brass and iron and marble and cinnamon and odors and ointments and frankincense and wine and oil and fine flour and wheat and beasts and sheep and horses and chariots and slaves and the souls of men what a list of the things the merchants of the earth are trafficking so it's business and commerce and trade you see that's what trafficking is really is trade 
trade and commerce. And I want to point out something about this. As globalization unfolds, trade and commerce is actually at its foundation. The globalization process always begins with trade agreements. You'll see that a bit later on. I'm just laying some foundation here for you. So we have all these honorable people. We have the political leaders and we have the economic leaders, major multinational corporations, bankers, and who knows what else. You also have, um, notice that souls of men down at the end. I think that's pretty significant also. We need to understand that we're talking here about souls, lost souls who are slaves of the new world order or slaves of, of their economic circumstances or slaves of rulers. You know, some countries make their citizens pretty much slaves. Uh, strong communist countries are that way, for instance. And sometimes they're also not only slaves, but they're economically challenged as well. Those things go together. And when we hear about um, wealth redistribution, when the Pope talks about wealth redistribution, he's talking about it on a global scale, taking money from rich countries and putting it into the hands of poor countries. Does that help the poor countries? No. Does it hurt the rich countries? Yes. But it brings everybody down to a more common level, except the very super rich, you know. And those, the super rich have their role to play as well. Uh, I might add that um, uh, wealth redistribution on a national level, if President Obama, for instance, talks about wealth redistribution, we're also talking then about taking money from wealthy citizens and giving them to poor citizens. That's what a welfare state is all about. When there are government handouts and government welfare that is handed out like never before, um, that means that they are in the process of taking money from the rich and giving it to the poor. Yes, they create money out of thin air, but ultimately it has to be paid for. And guess who gets to pay for it? Those who are more wealthy, especially the middle class. The super rich, they know how to avoid taxes. <laughs> You've probably been reading about that in the press as well in recent times. They know how to avoid taxes. It's the middle class and the upper middle class that gets nailed when it comes to wealth redistribution. Okay, so there we have a lot of things wrapped up in that short clip. We got the church he's referring to when he said we are to stay out of politics. He's talking about the church, not individuals per se. So the church is supposed to stay out of politics. And I think we would all agree that what we saw during COVID was just the opposite. It's been the opposite for a long time. And frankly, I think that the majority of people, my opinion here, that's it. The majority of people who go to church, go to church. So they hear a message that makes them feel good. Not necessarily the message that they should be hearing. Um, not that I have ever been a believer in a fire and brimstone type of approach. Uh, but I don't think that the churches are, have stayed out of politics. Again, my personal opinion, I'd love to hear what you think about that. Also, he talks about the dollar. Now, the dollar being dropped for Russia's uh, uh, oil deals, oil transactions is huge. The dollar now is going to uh, lose footing in the world, and we are going to see a very, very serious recession, possibly a depression, people think. Um, that uh, goes hand-in-hand hand with the New World Order because you have to tear down current systems in order to bring new ones up. So we have the Great Reset, as it's referred to. And he's specifically talking about this when he talks about uh, wealth and how wealth has to be managed. So we are looking at the chips implanted in the hand. Uh, some people have them implanted in their head. We have talk about uh, an interface between man and machine with the technology that the COVID so-called vaccines use, the mRNA uh, injections. And we have the concept of being slaves. Now, I'd like to know what you think about that one, because slaves to what? Slaves to the government or slaves to those merchants or both? Uh, certainly, look at the crap that people put up with 
to stay on Facebook or to stay on Twitter. Uh, in the past, I think everybody would have dumped them. So it really is a question that begs to be asked is, uh, who are we slaves to and in what way are we slaves to these different groups? So I'm going to go with the next clip now and be back to discuss it soon. Let's have a look at what the Bible says about globalization by studying the story of the first attempt at globalization in all of history. Genesis chapter 10. Genesis chapter 10, and we'll begin reading with verse 8. Notice it says that Cush begat Nimrod. And Nimrod began to be a mighty one on the earth. Now, what is a mighty one? Someone who has might is someone who has either military or political power. He began to be a mighty one, and as a mighty one, he was able then to corral the tribes, if you will, and bring them under his control. He began to be a mighty one. Now, Nimrod had ambitions. Um, he was a prince, and globalization was his goal. He wanted a new world order, a new world order that was not in harmony with God's plan. It says in verse 9 that he was a mighty hunter before the Lord. Wherefore, it is said even as Nimrod, the mighty hunter before the Lord. Um, now, this is a term before, the word before in the Septuagint is actually translated as against the Lord. In other words, he was doing everything he could to take people away from God. He became the founder of all pagan religion. He pressured his neighbors to adopt heathen practices. And friends, globalization is against the Lord because it is designed to ultimately corral everyone into a certain worship principle at the end of time. It is against God, and it's against God's plan. So there you have it. He talks about globalism in, in the sense of worship. And remember when the very beginning of the show, we talked about worship laws, uh, worship laws being uh, controlled by the New World Order. So I'm not sure if you have seen this story, but I found this story particularly interesting. And that, that is, is the, the mosque, mosque, synagogue, synagogue and, and church, church all being, being built, built together, together in Abu, Abu Dhabi. Dhabi. And, and there, there are, are uh, you know, conversations, conversations about the New World Order, order actually being, being uh, ruled from, from the Middle, Middle East, East, which I find interesting. interesting. And he, he, he goes, goes into, into talking, talking about, about uh, Babel and, and, and uh, uh, what the Bible, Bible says about that. that. And, and uh, so, so we have... Pretty interesting, interesting times, times we're living in with, with this. this. Now, uh, we, we have all three major religions. religions. You know, that'll be basically, basically under the control, control of a government, government in the form of these uh, buildings, uh, these, these uh, the synagogue, the mosque, and, and the, the church. church. You know, basically, you know, basically the world places of worship. Of worship and, and you can you bet your bottom, bottom dollar, dollar that, that the New World Order plan is to dictate what worship is acceptable and what worship is not. So, so that, that is something, is something that, that definitely, definitely was part of prophecy, prophecy as well. well. And, and um, um, we know that's, that's the truth. truth. And, and it's, it's interesting, interesting to see this, this being, being done. done. Uh, I was kind of surprised by it, by it just because, because it's something that I would that not have, have expected. expected. Let me know what you think about that. We'll be right back. Hey Patriots, it's Jeff Wagner. I love my pillow products. I use them. I can say that they are simply the best quality that you will find anywhere. And you can help us all out, all Patriots, including Mike Lindell, and our mission to restore America by going to MyPillow.com today and using code TPR. That stands for the Patriot Review, so it's easy to remember. TPR. Save up to 66%. You can also order by calling 
800-519-9927. Again, that's 800-519-9927. Thank you and God bless. Ignore the thought police and subscribe or follow the Patriot Review. It's your patriotic duty. Um, World government is not going to benefit the human race. It leads to persecution and intolerance of the worshipers of God. Come over to verse 10. It says, In the beginning of his kingdom was Babel, and Erech, and Akkad, and Kalna in the land of Shinar. These were four big cities. Notice that it was the beginning of his kingdom. He had plans. He had quite a, uh, an ambitious plan to establish large cities all over, if he could. And he had colleagues to help him. Um, but the beginning of his kingdom was the, were these four cities, and Babel was to be his, his palace, or where his palace and his throne was, so that he would then rule from Babel. Then in verse 11, Verse 11, it says, Out of that land went forth Asher. Asher is the English name for Assyria. In many other language Bibles, you'll read the term or the name Asher. Asher uh, builded Nineveh and Rehoboth and Cala, verse 12, and resin between Nineveh and Cala, the same is a great city. So they built this series of cities. So how many cities did uh, Asher build? Four big cities. It says it's a great city. I think that's very interesting. It's a great city. That one, Kela, or sorry, uh, Rezin, which is between Nineveh and Kela. Great city. That means a big city, a powerful city. And it's very interesting that in the last days, there is one city that is the spiritual antagonistic uh, entity to God's people. It is a city that is on seven hills. It is a city, uh, once again, that is used to control or persecute God's people. There's a very interesting statement in Patriarchs and Prophets which I'd like for you to hear. It's in page 118, Patriarchs and Prophets. God had directed men to disperse throughout the earth to replenish and subdue it. These Babel builders determined to keep their community united in one body and to found a monarchy that should eventually embrace the what? The whole earth. Now that's another term. A monarchy that would embrace the whole earth. She's talking about globalization. So there we have it. Now he's talking about cities in particular. And I want you, as you hear the next clip, to just um, think about the cities in, in our own country today and what comes out of them. Now, most of our large cities are liberal and most of what comes out of them is basically a free for all from any kind of moral set, in my opinion. Uh, so I think the cities are, are a big part of our problem, and we would probably all agree to that and, uh, to one extent or another. But I found it interesting that he, that he talks about the cities. So we'll just keep on going here. Nimrod's plan was to control the whole earth and enforce a one-world religion. So it says then that Asher went out and built four cities. Um, and then in verse 15, we read about Canaan. Um, it says, And Canaan begat Sidon, his firstborn. Sidon was the name of his firstborn son, and he named a city after his firstborn son. All right? And we read about this city in history. If you come all the way down to the time of um, Ahab and Jezebel in Israel, you remember that Elijah went to a certain place. Do you remember the name of the city where Elijah went? 
Zarephath. Remember Zarephath? It says in the Bible that it belongeth to Zidon, which is Sidon. It's in that Phoenician uh, nation there along the border of Israel. Now, come over to verse 19. Let me show you this. Moses, as it were, takes us on a journey. You know, he takes us on a tour. You ever been in a tour bus? And you go from place to place and, and, and visit different places in a tour bus? Well, it's like we're in a tour bus with Moses. And he takes us from one city to the next. Watch this. Verse 19, it says, The border of the Canaanites was from Sidon, which was named after his firstborn son, as thou comest. So you go from Sidon, then you come to Gerar. Okay, that's count the cities here. That's two, right? And then after that, it says unto Gaza. We still have Gaza today, don't we? There's three cities. All right, then after Gaza, as thou goest. All right, so we're going to keep on going, he says. Go as thou goest unto Sodom and Gomorrah. How many cities now? Five, all right. And Adma, and Zeboam, and Lasha. How many cities altogether? Eight cities that Canaan built. Isn't that interesting? Globalists are very interested in the usefulness of the city. We have 16 cities here. Four by Nimrod, four by Asher, and eight by Canaan. That's 16. The cities are very useful to globalists. Why? This is a very important question. Why? If we're going to study and understand God's word for these last days, we need to study and think about what this is saying. You know, a lot of times we read the Bible and we just sort of let it come in the mind and then let it go out again. We don't meditate upon the Word of God. It's very important to meditate on the Bible because the Bible will reveal things to us through the Holy Spirit. As you meditate on the words of Scripture, the Holy Spirit will speak to you and help you understand what He's really saying. Here are these 16 cities. The cities are useful to globalists. Why? What can you do in the city that you can't do in the country so well? You can you control them, that's right. You can control where they live. You can control where they work. You can control where they shop. You can control how they get their utilities. You can even control where they worship. All by zoning laws and regulations. Do you have any of those here? Do you have zoning laws? Yes, there's even zoning laws in the country, but usually zoning laws in the country are far less restrictive, far more flexible than they are in the city. Cities are very useful because they can control populations, and that's what Nimrod understood about cities. And we have all seen that, without a doubt. We've seen over the past two years, especially with the pandemic. And yes, I do fully believe that it was released on purpose. If you don't, that's your opinion and you're entitled to it. But I do think that we've all seen that control is much easier had in cities. And we've watched as things have been allowed to go out of control for certain groups. And we've watched how events were planned and other groups are being prosecuted. And we in the United States now have political prisoners in the the uh, people of January 6th who were waved into a public building and uh, do not condone the, the violence or the destruction. But, you know, as I've said before about Ashley Babbitt in particular, we have a true crime. We have a murder in cold blood and there's been no penalty for that. Yet we have statues erected to people with long criminal histories and violent people who overdosed on drugs. And uh, to me, that's sickening. And the cities, as we said, the cities are obviously uh, targets to make control much easier and to be bastions of these principles that have led us to where we are today, or I should say, the lack of principle. We'll be right back. <laughs> Thank you.
You see, Nimrod's idea was that there was strength in numbers. Have you ever heard that concept before? Strength in numbers? Do you have strength in numbers? Well, there can be in certain ways. But friends, the way Nimrod saw it was that there was strength in numbers in defying God. He was determined to lead the people in a way that was contrary to God's plan. And so he wanted strength in numbers so that maybe God wouldn't, uh, wouldn't be able to overthrow them. Of course, God is bigger than that, isn't he? We have a big God, and God knows exactly what's best and how to manage everything. But the thing about it is, cities are designed for strength in numbers, but actually they become very weak. The fact is that cities become very weak. How long can you survive in a city when there is a famine and trucks can't bring food into the city? Three days, that's right. It's, most cities have a three-day supply of food on the supermarket shelves. That's it. And if there is a serious problem, like in New York City or Los Angeles or some of these great big cities of our nation and cities of other nations, whether it's Melbourne, Australia or Frankfurt, Germany or wherever it is, if the trucks can't get the food into the city or if airplanes can't fly it into the airports, They've got three days, and that's it. And I'll guarantee you that once a crisis arises, the shelves are empty in a matter of hours, <laughs> you know, uh, because of the crisis or the panic, I should say, that arises from it. Uh, does anybody know where Europe gets its produce from? Europe gets its produce primarily from North Africa and also from Spain. But to get it all the way up to the north part, they have to truck it or fly it. If there's a fuel crisis, if there's a natural disaster, if there's some other kind of problem, people very quickly run out of food and they panic. Oh, friends, God tells us it's better not to live in the city, doesn't he? And there's a good reason for it because the city is where the spiritual pressure is going to come. And by the way, the cities are also where, well, they are the targets of war, terrorism, and natural disasters. That's the way it is. Cities are the targets. And if you live in a city, you become caught up in the maelstrom of crises. Think about those people who are living in Baltimore. They couldn't help it. All of a sudden, they were in the midst of violence. All they could do is go in their homes and just stay put, lock the doors and close the bars up on the windows and whatever else. Try to be as secure as they could. Stay out of the way. There was strength in numbers in his mind, and of course that doesn't um, play out that way. Nimrod wanted help with his rebellion to God. So he created cities so that there would be a lot of people around to help him with this. Thirdly, securities provide, uh, sorry, cities provide security and protection. Security and protection. This was one of Nimrod's primary goals in establishing big cities was so that he could have security and protection. But do, do, do cities really provide security and protection? When people get so concentrated together, they get, you know, they get onto each other. They, they start... Well, violence becomes an issue. So they're not as protected as you might think. But Nimrod's aim was to protect it on a global scale. In other words, from God's judgments and natural disasters, that sort of thing. So the cities are very useful. But when there's a crisis, cities can also be locked down. You know what that means to lock down a city? That means you can't come in and you can't go out. Friends, I don't want to be in a city when it's locked down. I lose my freedoms. What happened to those people in Boston, uh, was it a year or two ago, when um, 
when they were hunting down that fugitive, they locked down the city. The people were told they had to stay in their homes. They were restricted. They could not move. They did not have their freedoms. Not only that, they lost their civil rights and their constitutional protections. So much for our crazy conspiracy theorists like me and you. Now we, we, uh, he's referring to Baltimore, the first use of BLM, the, the homegrown terrorist um, Marxist group, that group to sow division and Barack Obama oversaw that. As we saw, nothing happened then, nothing happened the last time that uh, we went through the violence and mayhem in the cities that that group and Antifa were responsible for. And we have political prisoners who just happen to be around a public building that their money keeps open. So this concept of cities and the context of protection We've seen that break down. We know that, that that can break down and it's going to get worse. He also talked about a fuel shortage. So basically he's saying um, that crises, crises are used to further the New World Order uh, objectives of these sick and satanic people that are out there uh, really wanting total control over everything you do, think, say, uh, everything that you eat much heat you have in your home, what school you go to, what your children are taught. We're seeing this attack on multiple fronts and it's deliberate and it all is in an effort to destroy everything that we have held sacred in the past. And don't fool yourself, that's exactly what it is. It's tearing people down and rebuilding them in the image of slaves, which is exactly what they want to do. The last thing I have for you is specifically about food. Now, President Biden has come out and he has said that, hey, we're going to have a food shortage. Uh, why? Why do we have to? Well, we're finding out that railroads are reducing their grain shipments by 20%. We have excuses like the war in the, U in the Ukraine. We have uh, uh, this predicted I should say planned food shortage that is coming. And I hope that you take it very seriously. And you can see that there are also actions and they must think we're really stupid, but here we are now there's over 20 food processing plants that have been burnt down in the last five months. So obviously uh, that is way beyond coincidence. You look at any other time frame in history and not see that same thing. And it's not just, um, it's not just the processing plants, it's also distributors and, uh, you know, charities even. So uh, the food shortage is coming. It's very real. Now, I would like to thank um, Pastor Hal Mayer for allowing me to use the video. I wanted to have him on um, and I ask you all to pray for him. He's going through some health issues and uh, I thank him for his generosity and allowing me to use that video. Uh, those video clips and we'll be back next week to take another deeper dive into prophecy and the end times. Thanks for being with us. Go to MyPillow.com, use the code TPR and get yourself up to 66% off. Go to my website at RedBloodedPatriots.com, learn more about the show, sign up for a free membership. Thanks. We'll see you again next time.